Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. You are going to hear the voice of the mother today. Definitely, I have a, a message that is going to bless you and change your life if you apply it. So I want you to, I want you to take notes because I know what God is going to speak to you today is something that you'll want to uh, remind yourself in the coming days and weeks. Before I go any further, I do want to say Hero, the rock musical is outstanding. Outstanding. We have like... Honestly, it's gone up 7,000 levels. It, when you see Annika, when, she, when Annika comes back, please grab her. If it's appropriate, kiss her cheek. Thank her. Because Pastor Jürgen and I gave her a script, oh gosh, it was maybe 10 or more years ago. And what she has done with the script that we gave her, honestly, we, we, we passed her an, an empty carcass and she breathed life into that thing. I'm telling you. And honestly, probably the greatest depiction of hell and the resurrection that I have ever, ever in my life seen portrayed. Like, I'm telling you, when you watch the hell scene, all I was thinking when I was watching that was like, I never, ever want to go there. And I've got to be honest, in, in Heroes Past, I'm like, well, maybe I could survive that. I'm not, I'm not going to try it. And, and, the, and the resurrection scene was so good. But I mean, it's, it's almost like an impossible scene to recreate, but they managed it. Like it, the heights. In previous years, Jesus would just come out from behind a rock. Hey guys, I'm back. I'm like, well, uh, okay. I, we can do better. We are doing better. Just telling you. If you, if you haven't seen it, get down there. Do whatever you can do. If you're in that building and you're not a Christian, when the altar call comes, hands are everywhere. We don't even need an altar call. People are having their own altar calls. Just watching that. Because the reality is this life is going to end. And one day we will all have to give an account for what we did with what Jesus did. The beautiful thing about that story and that, that scene that we see of hell, which is so, so haunting, is that we don't have to go there because Jesus went there for us. But the, the world needs a picture. So when they're rejecting God, thinking they can do it their way, like Jesus came so we didn't have to have an eternity without him. What is hell? Hell is just simply a place where God isn't. It's just where, so God's not there. So think of life devoid of God. We, we have God, the Holy Spirit on earth right now. So we're living and breathing in, in the grace of the presence of God on earth. Hell is a place where God isn't. And trust me, you do not wanna go there. So if you've got some friends that are headed in that direction, take them to hero. Do whatever you can, get the chloroform, put it on their face and then revive them when you get to the building. <laughs> Whatever it takes, they'll thank you one day. All right. 
So I have a, a message that I want to share with you, and I, I feel it's very prophetic, but also very practical. That's why I'd like you to, to make sure you lean in and, and take some notes. Um, with increase and blessing and growth comes some stress that has to be managed. Have you noticed? So, you know, people will say, oh, you need, to, you need to get married. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And it's true and it's Bible and it's God. But, but then they don't fill in the blanks and tell you that there is also some stress and some worry and some troubles that you have to manage uh, with any relationship. Have kids, they tell us. And it's beautiful. The Psalms tell us that children are a blessing from the Lord. Happy is the person whose quiver is full. They will be like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Sounds amazing. But they don't tell you about what happens next and the stress you have to manage with the increase and in the blessing that's on your life. Renovate your church building, they said. Wonderful expansion, increased blessing, yeah, more seats. We're going to be able to host Hero in Eastlake, awesome. But sometimes there's some stressing that comes with the blessing. And, and God wants you to have a big life. But with a big life can sometimes come some big stresses that we need to learn to manage. And so I want to, I want to preach a word to you today. That will help you first, number one, understand that with the blessing does come a level of stressing, but that Jesus has made it so we can live a life that's large and there will be some stress and tension we have to manage, but we don't lose our peace along the way. How many people would like to hear that message today so they can have a big life, manage some stress and some tension well, but not lose their peace? Amen, Leanne. The title of the message today is When the Blessing Becomes the Stressing. I'm going to read uh, to you from a story found in the book of Luke, chapter number 10. And it's a, it's a tale as old as time. It's a classic scene that is still being played out around the world today. But it centers around two sisters when Jesus came to their house for a dinner party. Luke, chapter number 10, starting in verse 38. It says, now it happened as they went, this is Jesus and his disciples, he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha, now she's the main character, welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted. Somebody say distracted. Now, the inference here is uh, distraction is literally she's not focused on the thing that she should be focused on. So she was distracted with much serving. Nothing wrong with serving. In fact, it's a necessity in the kingdom, but it also has a context and a right place. And Martha approached him, Jesus. Martha's approaching Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. So here is Martha demanding Jesus do something for her and also accusing him of not caring. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken 
away from her. And I, I love this passage of Scripture because we, we've all lived it. We, now, Martha was blessed. She had Jesus in her house. Not many people in that time could say that Jesus came to their house for dinner, but Martha could say that. She was living in the overflow. She was living in the increase. She had blessing in her life, but with that blessing came a little bit of stress that she had to manage. And right here, we see her losing her peace and being distracted from the one thing that truly mattered. And I love Jesus because he didn't come at her with like, Martha, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't speak to the symptoms. He spoke right to the root. The reason you're dicing up the dinner party, Martha, the reason you've lost your peace and the reason that you're, you're fracturing the atmosphere around you is because you are worried and troubled about many things. Your sister has chosen the better thing. So, so Jesus infers that there is a better thing to choose when your life sometimes feels overwhelmed with the stressing that can often come with the bigness of life. So I wanna break it down because in this story, Jesus actually doesn't, he, he makes an inference that there is a better thing, but like every scripture, he wants us to use our big, beautiful brains and figure out what that looks like. So I wanna break it down for you today. I've got six points that I wanna share with you that are gonna help displace the worry and the trouble that many of us can feel as our life gets bigger and broader and increase comes our way because God wants you to have a big, bold life, but He doesn't want you to be undone by it. Can someone say amen? amen. So she was worried and troubled and it's important to note that the, the root English meaning of the word worry means to strangle or to choke. To, to torture oneself. And worry can often be something that's seen as, as um, like almost like, a, a, like an okay sin. Oh, we can do that. It's just worry. Oh, my, my family's been full of worry warts since like I'm just, a, I'm just a worrier. Well, it's time to get some spiritual wart off because that worry and that trouble that we've been buying into that has been robbing us from the peace and the joy that God wants to give us is actually choking and strangling our lives. And God, God wants things to be better than they've been. So I'm gonna give us six keys on how to choose the better thing. The first one is this, resist the devil at his onset. In 1 Peter 5, eight to nine, it says this, be well balanced. And that may be enough of a word for some people today. Be well balanced. You can tattoo that on your arm. Be well balanced. Thank you, Lord. Noted. Temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times for that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Withstand him. Be firm in the faith. Now look at this. Against his onset. Resist the devil at his onset. When, when do lions hunt or lionesses hunt, tell me? At night and in the morning, at dawn and at dusk. They, they keep their deeds to like those twilight and those low light hours. 
true for the physical lion, true for the one who roams about roaring like a lion. So when you wake up in the morning, there is something happening in your bedroom that is invisible to to the natural eye, but is as real as sure as I am standing here. There is a bidding war happening in your bedroom where there is a an auctioneer with a gavel, seeing who will win the bidding rights to your day. Will it be worry? Will it be the devil? Will it be fear? Will it be anxiety? Will it be trouble? Will it be judgment? Will it be drama? Will it be offense or will it be Jesus? We each have a choice in the morning. King David put it beautifully in Psalm number five. He said, oh Lord, in the morning, I will direct my voice to you and look up. We each have a choice. We can give the first fruits of our day to the devil and then find, or or our flesh or our soul realm, and then find that the rest of our day is fractured or we can choose the better thing like Mary did sit at the feet of Jesus at the appropriate time, because remember, Martha was distracted, and give to him the first of our day and listen to his words. God, what are you saying? What are you saying to me for this day? And and honestly, you, you notice the difference of when people have given God the first fruits of their day or if they've allowed the enemy to, to grab it off them. I, I've found that my life has uh, like improved immeasurably since I made this the first thing. Doesn't mean it's the only thing. The Bible doesn't say in this story of Mary and Martha that the better thing was the only thing. You just to sit at the feet of Jesus all day and listen to his words, nothing will get done. Nothing. It's not the only thing but it needs to be the first thing. I I wanna ask you today, what would change in your life if you gave God the first of your day instead of the scraps? Oh God, I'm so busy, I gotta do this and that and the kids and the husband and the the business deal and I gotta work out and I've gotta drink my shake and I've gotta do all the things for my body. Well, how about feeding the spirit man first? Before you jump in your sauna or your cold plunge and have, or whatever it is you do, have your tea to metabolize your body the right way. What about getting, what about getting your spirit man fed first? Because I have found when I open my Bible and I read it, it's almost like God gives you the answers to the test before you walk into it. Have you noticed? You'll read through Proverbs and, and you'll, you'll read a proverb that that just hits you, like don't go surety for a stranger. And then all of a sudden that day you have an opportunity to go surety for a stranger. And you're like, I read about this, not today, devil, because I gave the first fruits of my day to God. I'm walking into this day and he's already prepared me. My, My soul is set into the right place. My soul has been aligned with God. In John 14, 1, Jesus says again, do not let your hearts be troubled, distressed, or agitated. My question to you today, my friends, is this. At the beginning of the morning, when you're, you wake up and you're cognizant, what are you letting into your heart? What are you letting come in? 
Are you rolling into that offense from the day before from that girlfriend? Are you borrowing the, the trouble from yesterday about this situation? Or are you letting God in? Are you letting faith in? Are you letting trust in him in? Are you letting peace in? Are you allowing Jesus to come in, the shepherd of your soul, to set you right for the day ahead? You know how you can, you can determine the best test to figure out what you've been letting into your heart? I'll tell you. You don't even need to guess. I'll tell you what you've let into your heart because it'll be evidenced by what's flowing out of your life. The, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do will flow out of it. So how do you know? How would I figure out? How would Leanne figure out what she's allowing into her heart? Well, it's easy. What's flowing out of my life? Is, is worry flowing out? Is anxiety? Is gossip? Is, is judgment? Is offense? Is, is pride? Is fearful thoughts, are they flowing out of my life? Well, if they're flowing out, I've been letting them in. And Jesus never said, I'm going to send an angel with a flaming sword to guard your heart. He said, you guard it. It's your responsibility. What are you letting in? So at the onset of your day, you've got to make sure that you've got the, the right gatekeeper to your heart. What am I going to let in? I'm going to let in faith. I'm going to let in hope. I'm going to get let in love. I'm going to let wisdom in there because I need it to survive in this crazy world. What are you letting into your heart? Resist the devil at his onset. I'll ask you again. What would change in your life if you gave the first of your day to the Lord? Not to Instagram, not to social media, not to the news that wants to drag you down every day into despair, but what would happen if you gave the first of your day to God? I'll tell you, spoiler alert, everything would shift. Doesn't mean you won't have troubles, doesn't mean you won't have some worries that you have to navigate, doesn't mean that everything will be perfect, but you will be aligned rightly to get through anything that life throws at you. Resist the devil at his onset. Amen, Leanne, and I will drink to that. Bam. All right, the second thought. Okay, you, you hanging in there? Good, okay. Don't borrow trouble. My mum used to say this to me all the time as a little girl because I had this vivid imagination and I could... You know, I could dream up the craziest little scenarios that may or may not happen. And before you know it, I'd be wound up about things that, you know, I didn't know were going to come to pass, but they were very, very real in my imagination. And my mum used to say to me, oh, Leanne Edith, you borrow trouble. And she was right. And the truth is what we don't allow God to come in and heal us from, regardless of whether we adopt unhealthy patterns as a child, we don't grow out of them. We just grow up into them. So fearful children who borrow trouble and become anxious end up growing up into adults who do the same. Okay? So Jesus said this. He said in Matthew chapter number 6, 34, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And then he goes on to say this. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, there are some churches they won't preach this. Oh, you won't have any troubles when you come to Jesus. Oh no, you certainly will. They may even increase. 
But you know what? God's going to change you so you can thrive in the midst of them. That's the point of this whole story. So let me tell you, trouble, look look at me in my little squinty eyes. Trouble, it's coming for you. But what is Jesus saying here? For the love of all that is holy, don't grab for it in advance. Every day is gonna have its own unique set of troubles that when you walk with God, he's gonna grace you, kind of like manna. I'm gonna grace you, I'm gonna give you enough grace for today to deal with whatever unique troubles and challenges today holds. But the reason people get so bound up in anxiety and become so fearful and so tormented and end up dicing up dinner parties like Martha was, was because they time travel every day and they go into the future and they grab like an advanced payment of trouble. Let me give you an example, a story from my own life that that describes this perfectly. About a decade ago, I... um, I had a lump on my neck. I didn't notice, one of my friends noticed, every time I would talk or laugh, it would kind of pop out like a Frankenstein bolt, okay? And so I went to the doctor, of course, to go figure out what the heck is going on. And she was mildly alarmed, but you know, she was like, listen, we don't know what this is, but I'm gonna run some tests, we're gonna do an MRI, we're gonna check for thyroid cancer, we're gonna check for lymphoma, we're gonna check for all these different diseases. We'll just schedule all those appointments. I don't want you to freak out. We don't know anything yet. Um, We're going to schedule it all, okay? So I get in the car, and I did not listen to her last words. All I heard was cancer, lymphoma, thyroid, MRI, ah, and I'm reverting back to my childhood where I would borrow trouble, and all of a sudden, my imagination is taking me places. I don't want to go, and that's the thing. When you worry about things, you use your imagination to create things you don't want. And so before I knew it, I'm like, I've got cancer in my mind. Like at this point, let me just reiterate, all speculative, all conjecture, just a theory. But in my head, like I'm driving home and I'm you know, diagnosed with cancer. And then I see myself on my sick bed with my children surrounding me crying. And then I see myself in a coffin dead. And I'm starting to cry. I Like, uh, this was all, I'm borrowing trouble. You see how your mind works? It's very powerful. And then my sadness moved to anger because I saw my husband remarried. I'm like, oh, hell no. So I'm sad, then I'm mad. And, and I get home and my husband is like out surfing, how dare he, when I'm having an imaginary crisis. And then he walks in as happy as Larry as he normally does. And he's like, hey babe, how'd your doctor's appointment go? I'm like, if you ever, if I die and you get remarried, I'm gonna come back from the dead and I'm gonna haunt you. I'm gonna shake chains in the bedroom. I will be cast by the very unfriendly ghost. As it turns out, it was completely benign, completely non-eventful, nothing that needs worrying about. I was fine. And yet I had diced up my home and the environment because I was reaching into a future for a problem that didn't even exist. Are you borrowing trouble? 
And this isn't just for the ladies. I see a lot of men smiling like, oh, thank God, somebody's saying it. But, you know, I've met some men that are shocking warriors too. That's why Jesus said, just, just like, let you and me face today together. We got this. Listen, I, I, you and I, we don't know what the future holds. It's the truth. But we do know the one who holds the future. And what I do know is this, that God said, in this world you will have trouble, but, but cheer up because I've overcome the world. When you walk with Jesus, he'll give you strength and grace to face any unique trouble you have that day because you're walking with an overcomer. We've got this together. We're gonna make it, we're gonna make it, we're gonna make it. Don't borrow trouble. The third thought I wanna bring is this. Learn to manage your unique personality. Listen. The blessing will very quickly turn into the stressing if we don't, first of all, determine our personality dysfunctions and weaknesses, and we all have them. And it's not that the, the Jesus doesn't love you and he didn't make you unique and special in your own beautiful way. But each and every single one of us will have some, some personality barnacles that we have to allow the Lord to, to remove. The irony of this story with Mary and Martha, so she, she was enjoying the blessing of having Jesus in her house, but she was about to ruin it simply because she couldn't manage the dysfunctions of her own personality type. The irony, again, was that Martha wanted to control everybody in that room. They're not serving how I think they should serve. They're not using their time the way that I think they should use their time. I'm the only responsible one and nobody cares but me and everyone in this family sucks except me. You're all a bunch of jerks. And, and sometimes worry can actually masquerade as responsibility or, or superiority. I am the only one that cares. Look at my slothful sister, do something about it, Lord. But in the end, it wasn't Mary that was rebuked, it was Martha. So sure, she had it all together and you can't tell me that this woman wasn't the eldest in her family. She was an eldest, no doubt. A type to the nth degree, responsible for sure. But she wouldn't have had a lot of friends. She would have had minions. She would have had people that masqueraded as friends but were really just her servants doing her bidding. Oh yes, yes, Martha, certainly I'll do whatever you say. I'll get right on that. Meanwhile, exit stage left, I'm gonna go find a sanguine friend who thinks life's a party, right? She couldn't manage the dysfunctional parts of her personality. Like I know like I'm an organized person, I'm responsible, I'm strong, but I've got to make sure that I don't grind everybody around me into the dust because they're not doing things the, th the way that I think that they should do them. Each and every single one of us, as we manage the blessing of friendship, the blessing of marriage, the blessing of a business, the blessing of a church family, have to identify what parts of me are a little bit broken that God wants to fix so I don't ruin this awesome environment. I mean... I've had to do it in my own life. I've had to look at the parts of Leanne. Now, God loves Leanne, but Leanne has some unique dysfunctions that come with her personality type that, that God wants to, to kind of buff off. Leanne, you can be a little bit lazy sometimes. 
I need you to, to work on that. Leanne, you can, you can avoid confrontation sometimes. If you're going to be a leader and manage the blessing of this church, I need you to be able to step into something that isn't always comfortable for you. I was at a conference a couple of years ago and uh, the pastor said, turn to the person behind you and say hello, as pastors often do. And as I turned around, I was met with a mother and her daughter who was perhaps about 10. And the mother pulled the daughter in close as I turned around and put my hand out and said, don't, she's an introvert. And I remember thinking to myself, well, first of all, pity for the little girl that had been labelled by her own mother and not led by her mother. And also uh, just the sheer wickedness of a woman to to teach this young girl that the whole world has to pay for your personality type. Introvert or not, you can look someone in the eye, say hello, and introduce yourself. But what she was teaching her child was, this is your world and everybody else is just living in it. Not knowingly uh, sentencing her precious little girl to a life of loneliness and rejection. So I want to ask you today, what what parts of your personality are ruining the blessing that God has given you? What what do you need to sharpen? Maybe you're an over-talker. I've met a ton of them. Beautiful people, but they will not for the life of them shut up. And like they go for like 45 minutes straight and like you like them, but I'm like, I like you, but I'm going to run every time I see you because you don't understand that a conversation is two people talking right? I know this hurts, doesn't it? But I'm helping you. It's going to make your life better. It's going to make your life better. It's going to make it so much better. And, and Martha, Martha was in this very dangerous place where she was blessed. God had given her this great increase. She was a woman of influence. She had opportunities that other people would have given their right eye for. And yet she ruined it because she couldn't control herself. Wow. And I'm not talking about faking it. I hate that statement, fake it till you make it. No, just discipline yourself. You can do things that don't come naturally to you. I have to do it all the time. There are times I walk into a room, a crowded room, and I'm like, you know what? I really don't want to talk to people today, but you know what I'm not going to do? Listen to that selfish, soulful part of me because I'm in public. You don't get to be an introvert in public. <laughs> Otherwise, the rest of the world has to pay for your personality. It doesn't mean you, you have to become chatty Cathy. I have a child who has a unique set of skills that some would call social awkwardness. And he's quite happy to walk into a room and say hi to nobody and just stand at the food table and then go upstairs to his bedroom. And, and I had to say to him, my son... You you can't live that way. You need to walk in. You need to introduce yourself to people, have a few conversations. I don't expect you to be Shakespeare or Socrates, (laughs) but you can do that. And he went for a job interview and he's got just like, you know, a poker face where like he'd be having the best day of his life, but he will not wear it on his face. It's hysterical. And he was going for a job interview and I said, all right, my darling, this is what I want you to do. I want you to learn to smile talk. I said, when you talk, you smile. Hi, my name's Metesius. I, 
I, I, not too bad, so you look like a maniacal serial killer, but <laughs> just enough that like you're training, smile talk. Like I'm gonna talk to you and I'm gonna smile because I'm warm. And he came home and he's like, I got the job. I'm like, well, of course you did. High five, thanks mom. You see what I'm saying here? Because we live in a world that says, indulge. This is who I am. Indulge me. And I did my personality test. And they told me that I'm an eight on the Enneagram. Therefore, I have license to be rude to everybody. Because I'm an eight. No, you're, you're, you're not an eight. You're undisciplined. Because you can be strong and not mean. You can be direct and kind. Like those two things do not work in opposition to one another. In fact, they're needed partners. So I want you to hear this today. Learn to manage your personality. Oh, I got a wife. Yeah, and I ruined it with the fact that there were dysfunctional parts of me that I was too prideful to surrender to God and too arrogant and stubborn to say, you know what, I need to, this needs to be better. Like, yeah, my, my default setting may to be to be an introvert who doesn't like to talk, but I'm married and I have a wife, so that's not gonna work. Or I'm an introvert and I don't like being social, but you're married and your, your wife wants to go or your husband wants to go to a party or a dinner and not feel like they have to drag you along like a hostage. So, so that's my responsibility. I'm not gonna make you pay for the fact that I don't like being around people. You know what? I'm gonna learn to be around people. Are you hearing this? There's no college in America is gonna teach you this, but I will teach you this. Because I want you to have friends. Too many lonely, and I'll put it very, very boldly, not just people, Christians. Because they've been taught that the world should revolve around them, and this is my love language. Well, all right, I suppose that book has some good points. But I will also say, what if you made your personality your responsibility, not everybody else's? And I'm gonna sharpen what needs to be sharpened. I'm gonna buff or soften what needs to be buffed and softened. And then you'll have a heck of a lot more friends, Martha. Amen, Leanne. All right. Go on, give God a shout. I know that was hard. That hurts so good. All right, the fourth point that I wanna bring, how to manage the stressing that can often come with the blessing, the blessing of life, the blessing of a business, the blessing of friendship, the blessing of a marriage, the blessing of a church family. The fourth thought, recognize when something is a daddy job. All right, let me explain that. When I was a little girl, let's say maybe 12 or 13, I was walking out to go shopping from my home with my mother and we opened the front door and the door just fell off its hinges, just gone. No longer a door. And you know, therefore, we were now vulnerable to attack from the neighbours. And I remember saying to mom, oh my gosh, mom, the door just fell off. You need to fix it. Fix the door, mom. Fix the door, woman. And she just looked at me and she's like, I can't fix the door. That's a daddy job. Call your father. That, that, I can't even lift that thing. There ain't no way I'm fixing this. Your dad needs to fix this. Now, there are a lot of things that we can fix and we're empowered to do a lot of things. God made us incredibly 
like he, he gave us great skills, a big, beautiful brain and an incredible ability to fix so many different complex problems. But sometimes a lot of the worry and the trouble that we're living with in life is simply because we're trying to fix something that we cannot fix. And is it time to understand or acknowledge that this is actually a daddy job? You're not empowered to fix this. You know, worry is trying to oftentimes fix something that is unfixable. The Bible tells us that which of you by worrying in Matthew 6.27 can add one cubit to his stature. And I got to thinking about this, just this one verse, and I felt God give me the understanding that the inference here is that we can't control this. Like I can't, as much as I would try, I cannot make myself taller. I, I can't do it. So Jesus is saying here, there are actually things in life that you cannot control and you will torment yourself and torment everyone around you, Martha, if you try. Can you recognise and do an inventory of the worries and troubles in your life that are actually things that are a daddy job? Things that are a daddy job. But oftentimes it's pride that makes us think we can fix it. And then we can't end up becoming meddlers and worriers and we turn our husbands inside out with our insecurity or our wives or our family or our friends or our pastors all because of something that we just need to release to God. Let me give you another example. One of my children went through many years of addiction and I've spoken about this many times and I had done everything I could in my own strength and then tried to carry it beyond that. Like I'd done everything that a, a good parent should do. But then I kind of moved over into this space that was more like controlling. I, couldn't, I could not change my son's heart. I couldn't do it. And boy, did I try. Boy, did I try to change that kid's heart. And I'd send him messages and I'd leave scriptures on his bed. All of this was just turning him off more and more. As he became an adult man, I'd like get in my car and kind of do a stakeout outside of the parties to see who he was with and what he was doing. I'd manipulate friends. I'd demand people have conversations. I'd, and I honestly was wearing myself out, frustrating my husband, neglecting my other children because I was trying to fix something that only daddy could fix. And I felt God, I'd never forget it, a picture of God standing back as I'm flailing and winding myself inside out, trying to fix this, fix this thing that I couldn't fix. I saw this picture of God with his arms crossed, just waiting to the side. You done yet? You finished yet? You're ready to give that to me because you've made a right mess of it. And my question to all those who are like I was is, have you actually told God that he's been made redundant? Have you let him know that you let him go? Because I think he's still in heaven, sitting on the throne, thinking he's ruling and reigning. I, I, don't, I don't actually know that he knows that he's been replaced. But that's what pride does. Pride, I did it my way. Yeah, and how did that work for you, Martha? And the tragedy of this particular story is Martha was trying to control things that she couldn't control. Number one, her sister. And number two, the family reputation. This was not done. 
Jesus, you are publicly teaching a woman. This is, this is taboo. How dare you? She was trying to manage the family PR. And how many men and women have turned themselves inside out trying to do that? You know how I can tell? Because I see the, the Christmas cards you all send out at the end of the year, which I refuse to send out with all the matching children. I'm like, what kind of fresh hell did the mother need to put the family through to make that happen? All for a fraudulent image. Oh, look how perfect our family is. Yeah, everybody knows you're not. Relax. Just put snapshots from the year up there. It's more real. And you see the kids like, we hate our lives. And, and the father like, I wish I was dead. I'm matching with my three-year-old. And the mother managing them. Look how perfect we are. Oh, yeah. Right? So we can all be guilty of trying to manage. You can't manage your own PR. Like just live righteously, do right, live well, and then leave the rest to God. You know, when I really, this was really underscored for me during COVID, during COVID, my gosh, I, I didn't realise how much of a, an idol I'd made of my reputation. And all of a sudden we're splashed on the front page of every newspaper and all the News, all the news reporters are doing leading story, awakened church, super spreaders and that awakened church. And I remember being so devastated by, by all the headlines and they didn't just stay in San Diego, they traveled around the world. They landed down under and we've got people from down under chiming in and piping off and sending DMs and calling us super spreaders and granny killers and plague rats. And, and I'm scrambling trying to answer every DM. No, you don't understand. Like God spoke to us and we have a constitution and we believe God. And like just destroying my own peace. I, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't manage it. And I felt God say to me, Leanne, I want you to give me your reputation as an offering. Oh, but God, what will people say? As it turns out, everything and more and they'll embellish and they'll speculate and they'll downright lie. And there's no point trying to convince a hater or someone who doesn't wanna know the truth, your story. He's just like, just, you know, an amazing thing happened. Peace came. What did they say? Oh, they said it all. But now it, it, didn't, it didn't bother me because my reputation wasn't mine anymore. I'd put it in the hands of God. God, I'm, I'm going to trust you with this. I, I can't fix it. I can't make it better, but, but you, you can. This is a daddy job. This is a daddy job. Do you know that your salvation was a daddy job? You, you couldn't fix it. That was something that God had to send Jesus to planet Earth to take care of on our behalf. What issues in your life are you worried and troubled over, trying to manage and trying to PR yourself that are actually something that only God can carry. Maybe it is a child, like what I walked through with my son. Do you know when we meddle and we try to fix it in our own strength and it's a daddy job, we make it worse, not better. Can you imagine if the father of the prodigal son had have intervened and rescued him when the money ran out before he got to sit in the pig slop and eat the food that the pigs were eating. And he didn't get to that breakthrough point where he said, in my father's house, there is bread enough and to spare. And here I sit perishing with hunger. I will go back to my father. If the prodigal 
son's father had have gone and rescued him, he would have shortcutted what God wanted to do in his life. It was a daddy job. There are things you may be carrying today that are actually only meant to be carried by God. I, I want you to understand, God knows how to carry what is most precious to you and He can carry it better than you do. Amen. Recognise when something is a daddy job. And then I'll move fast. How are we going for time? Yep, all right. Cast your cares in the right direction. When the blessing leads to the stressing and you find yourself caught up in worry and trouble like Martha was, you need to learn to cast your cares in the right direction. First Peter chapter number five says this, cast all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries and all your concerns once and for all, that's a lot of alls, on Him for He cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you carefully. My friends, if we don't learn to cast our cares in the right direction, we'll end up casting them in the wrong direction. And there's only so much that the people around you, your husband, your wife, your friends, your pastors even, can handle before they're gonna be overwhelmed with your continual need. And the amazing thing is that God is actually asking for your cares. He's asking for them. Nobody else is usually, but God is. He's saying, bring them to me because I'm, I can never be exhausted by your continual coming. But if we don't learn to cast our cares through prayer, and that's all worry is. Worry is just a recycled prayer or a prayer that needs to be prayed. It's, a, it's something that's in here that needs to be spoken up here. That's all worry is. But if you leave it in there, it's gonna torment you. And then you'll have to go on medication and your life will begin a downward spiral. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Don't cast them in the wrong direction. Don't cast them on your kids. Don't burden your children under you. Instead of teach them, teaching them what it means to be a warrior, teach them what it means to be a warrior in prayer. A warrior in prayer. I'm gonna be a warrior in prayer, not a warrior that gets my family so bound up. We talk about worry being transferred from family to family, but the truth is it's, it's passed on. It's passed on through example. It's not a spirit. It's something that's caught in a home. But if your kids can see you praying, you know, I used to always see my mother praying. Wake up in the morning and there she was with her Bible. And you know what? She actually never said to me, Leanne, you need to read your Bible every day and you need to pray. But I saw her do it every day. And lo and behold, here I am at 48, every morning reading my Bible and praying. What are you passing on to your kids? Faith or fear? A prayer warrior or a warrior? And that prayer positions you to receive peace from God. And I have people ask me all the time, how long should I pray? Well, the answer is easy, till peace comes. Till you feel peace, displace the worry and the fear in your life. And, and it's not that I didn't have things that I had to work through, like I said, with my son. And I would hear bad reports or a, a bad diagnosis and I'd, I'd just go away and I'd pray until I felt peace come. Pray until peace comes. Don't worry about anything, Philippians tells us, Philippians chapter number four, six to seven. But pray about everything. And then you'll find that peace will fill your heart. Peace will guard your thoughts and emotions. And if you don't know how to pray, start with the Lord's Prayer. Just start with the Lord's Prayer. It's, it, it captures everything. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you just pray that prayer every day and mean it, you watch your life change and you watch peace fill the tormented places that worry and trouble have occupied. Amen, Leanne. And then finally, never forget your heavenly Father knows what you need. Jesus in Matthew chapter number six in His first message spoke to people and He said to them, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life don't worry about clothes. See that the flowers of the field grow. They don't labour or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendour was, was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, will He not much more clothe you? You of little faith, don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For it's the unbelievers that run after these things. But your heavenly Father knows what you need. I have an exercise for you, some homework. I want you to go back and I want you to look for the signature of God in your life. He's been right throughout your past and He's already in your future. His signature is in every single one of your days. When you face each day with its own unique set of troubles, you can either focus on the worry and trouble or you can look for the signature of God. Oh, I faced this worry, I faced this trouble, but then God showed up in a way that only He could. As a little girl at the age of 12, I went on a field trip to Sydney and I was so excited to be on the train with all my friends in sixth grade. And in sixth grade, you'd rather die than have your reputation be sullied you know, who you were friends with and how people perceived you was everything. And after spending a day in Sydney, eating everything that I wasn't allowed to eat at home, I got on the train and I got so, so sick. And I knew I was about to throw up. And I'm surrounded by all my little friends, including the, the boy that I had a crush on. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw up on a train with no ventilation and a constantly occupied bathroom in front of all my friends and I am gonna be forever known as Pukey Leanne. Because we all know that if you do one thing in school, like that poor kid that peed their pants one time in kindergarten is forever known as pee your pants Pete, right? And I was gonna be Pukey Vomity Leanne for all eternity. And so I'm, I'm feeling nauseous, I'm on the train, I'm like 12. I'm like, what do I do, what do I do? All of a sudden I hear from just a few feet away, Leanne Gray, Leanne Gray, is that you? Is that you, Leanne Gray? And I turn my nauseous head around and I see a church mother of all the trains, of all the days, of all the people. You know one of those church mothers that just lives to nurture? Big hips and big bosoms to match, just comes on over. And she saw my face like peeking green and she pulled me away privately and I threw up and she cleaned it up discreetly. Then she cleaned me up 
And then she let me sit with her in the carriage all the way home and I nestled into that ample bosom (laughs) until we got to the station and then my dad was waiting there to greet me. Listen, I, I didn't pray for that. I didn't know to pray for that. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Can, can you go home, can your homework in a world that wants to assault you with worry and trouble every day and the, bless, and the stressing that comes with the blessing and all the things, can you go home, can you look for the signature of God? And you'll see that He wrote right throughout your story and He's still writing. He's still writing. It's still yet to be written. You're going to bump into the most crazy God moments that you didn't even pray for. Prayers that you didn't even pray. Things that you didn't even utter. Things that you didn't even say because they seem too lofty. And all of a sudden, God shows up with His pen as He writes your story. God is for you. God is for you. God is with you. He's gone ahead of you. He's gone behind you. He stands beside you. He's everywhere. The signature of God is everywhere. In a world full of worry and trouble and a crazy world and the busyness that life brings. Look for the signature of God. Look for the signature of God. Amen. Stand to your feet. Don't let the blessing that God has sent your way, the increase, don't let the stress of managing those things steal your peace and your joy. Yes, you're gonna walk through some hard days. Yes, there will be some worries and some troubles that you'll have to navigate. Yes, sad days are a part of life, but you don't need to lose your peace and your joy because you've got the signature of God. God walks with you. He's in your future. He's in your past. He's redeeming your past. He loves your children. Understand what am I carrying that's actually a daddy-sized job and I've been wearing myself out trying to fix something I can't fix. There's a lot of content today and maybe not every point speaks to you, but I know one of them will. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you for your word. That truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Father, I speak peace over every heart and mind today. That as they go home today, that they would look for your signature throughout every phase, season, day of their life that they would not look at the future borrowing trouble, but they would be like the Proverbs woman who looked at the future with a smile. Father, I thank You, You are restoring joy and peace to every heart here that has been ground into the dust with worry and trouble. Father, we make a decision and a commitment that we will at the onset of our day look up to You. In Jesus' mighty Name, Amen. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again.